0: Welcome listeners in podcast and YouTube land, this is the Beyond Ring podcast where we explore faith out of bounds, this time recording in front of an absent studio audience.
1: <laughs> not to say that you as an audience are absent,
0: well, no, but they're not. They're not present here with us in, the, in the Beyond Dome studio.
1: Well, it's interesting you talk about presents, it's Christmas time and we should be talking about... Presence. Very good. And we'll do that by doing what we're wanting to do in this Advent Series and that is by dusting off this familiar story. A story we hear every year and for that very reason means we just jump over important things or we look past things that actually might offer more meaning and depth and layers that are there but are just forgotten.
0: That's right. Just like the Christmas decorations only get pulled out once a year, require a bit of a dust off, a bit of a polish, a bit of a, uh, a tidy up. So we need to revisit the story, dust off some of the elements of it and try and recover some of the original beauty, depth, significance, complexity.
1: We start today with the beautiful carol, We Three Kings, which of course instantly strikes us for those who've flicked through the biblical text as interesting, because we don't know whether there were three of them. We only assume because there were three gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we also don't believe they were kings.
0: Kings is kind of how we've. But the song says. I oh, know. We three kings from Orient are. Where's mm. Orient are? Uh, um, it's Orient Ark. Oh. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's an Oriental Ark.
0: Right. That's where they come from. Like a ship? or
2: mm.
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, through the desert. Through Ooh. over Mount Sinai,
0: Ooh. camels or ships of the desert, they were yeah, called.
1: They were the sh- that's weird. We've just un- unlocked <laughs> the
0: key to this text,
1: <laughs> which is what we need to do. So, yeah. we hear this song, We Three Kings, as you've beautifully sung, Locus. And but the actual term was magi, mm. and we, you know, we, we didn't really know what that meant in English, so we sellers of on, noodles, the sellers of noodles, of yeah. oriental noodles. That's right. Yes, <laughs> on two camels. minute noodles,
3: yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Who were they beyond these oriental noodle sellers? What are we to make of these mysterious characters? Because we've dressed our kids up in them. We've
0: been dressed up as Mm.
1: them. We've Mm. been thrown a
0: thing of gold and
1: they've become this familiar thing to the
0: story. They're one of the quintessential classic dress your kids up characters, aren't they? Correct. Someone has to, and you you need to have three because you need people to carry you need a person to carry each of the three gifts gold frankincense and myrrh. we'd all head for the gold yeah, that's right
1: yeah that's right. the head honcho i'm oh, i'm a i'm a, mer,
0: I'm a merman myself <laughs>
1: <laughs> i thought you were a merman <laughs> i'm a merman pop you heard it here first <laughs>
0: Oh, and incidentally, where, where is it in the story? Uh, we we did touch on this last week that we did. there are of the four gospels, there are only two that tell the Christmas narrative. So which is it that tells the story of the Magi?
1: Yeah, it's again Matthew hmm. who padded out Herod a lot for us, and it's actually Herod that brings in these mysterious characters because he's trying to track down where this baby is, this threat to his rule is. Hmm. And he calls in these mysterious others who are using the stars to plot and to to be, and believe they've uncovered where this future king might be. Mm. So the magi—it's it, it, a fascinating idea. The, the very basic things we know in the very tiny text we've got is firstly they come from another country. Mm. So in the birth story for our Jewish early listeners, that's a threatening idea that actually the first people to the scene actually those from beyond their tribe. They're a tribal yeah. people. Yep. They're uh, a people in which are suspicious of those beyond their seas, beyond their boundaries. And yet we know they come from another country. That's clear in the text. And the other thing is they don't know where the Messiah is to be born. They ask mm. Herod, where is the Messiah to be born? So mm. uh, Jews would have known the, the prophecies and the thoughts around where this, this king would come from. They don't.
0: Yeah, and that's right. and and remembering, of course, that we're dealing with a world that's that's far less globalised than we are today. Yes. Travel is far less common. Uh, there's no automobiles. There's you know, there's you, you can't. There's no railways to ca- tr- take people transcontinentally, mm-hmm. uh, and so to say that someone comes from another country, mm-hmm. it's it's shorthand. I mean, it's it's alien. It's yeah, yeah not just. Um they're from a different people group. They probably look different. Yes. They probably speak a different language. Tradition different traditions, yeah. different religious understandings. So mm. it's this whole kit and caboodle of mm. you know, foreigner, a foreigner. in, in, a, in yeah. a, you know, in that sense of this person is almost completely other totally. than me and, and my tribe and my people group. So we gloss over
1: this, mm. but this is this is curious to an early listener. Who mm. are these who are these weird, mysterious Oriental people. So Magi was a term that originally referred to a cast of Persian priests who were with special claims to interpret dreams. So there's already this kind of weird wackiness to them. Mm. And we don't know exactly who the Magi was. There's only hypotheses. And some of them is because they're interpreting the stars that so they've got this astrology kind of thing mm, going on. It's
0: mysterious kind of thing. Yeah,
1: area. but that has links with Babylon. And, mm. and the Babylonians were known to be big into astrology. So, of course, that's a previous... Mm. superpower that's taken them over, that's held Mm. them in captivity. Is it possible that these people come from from that tribe? There's also potential illusions because of their gifts, Uh, particularly the myrrh comes from, I think it's kind of like a a, a cerebral sap from a tree, Mm. and that would have links with uh, Arabia or the Syrian desert. So that, again, is this Mm. very mysterious other world. Mm. And so... We don't know who they are, but surely early listeners are suspicious, mm. are wondering what they're doing here. And, of course, our English translation cleans it up by calling them kings. And, of course, mm. if Jesus is going to be king, well, a few other kings to say yeah. come or welcome to the clan or yeah. you know, hope you have as good a kingship as we did, yeah. it really dismisses this mysterious element
0: that's well, certainly there. That's right. And isn't that an interesting painting of the story, that we choose to view it as though even even other rulers recognize yes. you know this new king this new great ruler that's come so it's it's almost a way of uh, bigging up his credentials that's it. by saying even these even rulers understand this rule mm. but actually the story is is far more subversive than that it's, it's saying at the heart of this person who we are the the christian tradition is making this claim about fulfilling mm-hmm. a tradition mm. um, this person is acknowledged by foreigners.
1: Exactly, and, and maybe today's context is, uh, you know, crystal healers or new age spiritualists or something that maybe for a lot of people within the religious world might have yeah. a bit of a uncertainty to it. Yeah. We've probably more got to view them through that lens. That's right. Than the kings who that's are right. you yeah. know passing on the baton to these greater kings. That's right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah that's right. The, these are these aren't the people who are supposed to get it.
1: That's it. They're yeah. not the people supposed to get it. They're, yeah. they're
0: beyond what were very clear tribal boundaries. Yeah, and interesting. I hadn't in, until you mentioned it there. I hadn't under, really understood the uh, even the significance of the gifts as being yeah. given given a gift from from outside tradition, from mm. the unexpected place, mm. from the foreign place.
1: That's it. Yeah. And of course, we know, as this little tiny snippet of the the wise men carries on, that they. They help Jesus. They save Jesus because Mm. Herod sends them in as spies and says, hey, when you find out about him, come back. Mm. And they choose not to. And the text says they left by another road. Mm. So they've, for whatever reason, appreciate, uh, revere and uh, and honor Mm. this baby, but they also help him out. Mm. So Jesus receives these physical gifts and this great gift from this mysterious people from the east. Mm. But there's this other fascinating thing that's going on in the story. Just after they leave, Joseph and Mary hear of this threat of Herod that we touched on last week, and they escape mm. the very country that they've just been born into. And mm. of course, belonging to your tribe and to your people was utmost important. It was your entire identity. Such was the perceived threat, according to this Matthew storyteller, mm. that they actually leave their homeland mm. and they cross the boundary to the west into Egypt. So we've got this fascinating two things, both glossed over in our stories that he receives these curious gifts from the surprising place to the east, mm. but actually he also receives refuge and hospitality to the west. Mm. This foreign land offers him safety and refuge until such time that he would return to his home country. Mm. I've not often heard those those layers brought out in my Christmas nativity scenes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep.
1: From the east and from the west is actually the context in which this child will be born yeah. that, that aids this child's very development and growth and life and fullness.
0: Well, I know certainly it's a it's a pretty conventional theme to talk about Christmas as the point where God breaks into mm. you know human history, or uh, so there is there is a, sometimes a sense of breaking in, mm. but oh, it is interesting that the story is talking about a breaking in from from afar, from the foreigner, yes. from. Um, from the unexpected,
1: though yeah. that which enables the breaking in—that's right—which houses and mm. and offers refuge for that breaking in—is yeah. surprising places, unexpected places.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, and, and incidentally, I'm not I'm not entirely comfortable with the idea the the breaking in kind of language because no. I think it, I think breaking out and you know yes. rather than uh, rather than. Uh, God coming down into human history, it's sort of human history being caught up into God's story. Kind of, uh, mm-hmm. there's there's different analogies or language. no language is complete that you can wholly describe it. So, mm. um,
1: other than Oriental Ark.
0: Well, that's right. I yeah.
1: So, the East and West. So, today we're going to hold that and let that ask questions of us as we think about how Christmas might speak to us today in our context with that which we're wrestling with and ask the question of, well, what does it look like for us and what does it look like to honour the fact that our, our Christian story has this invitation to receive gifts from surprising places? Mm. What, what does it mean to actually see gift bearers beyond us? Mm. That, that which we need to receive that that actually is a true gift to us are in surprising places. Mm. And what does it look like to receive refuge and to receive hospitality Mm. from surprising places, from those who you wouldn't expect to.
0: And that word hospitality is is really interesting because we often think about uh, to be hospitable is to be a good host, Yes, is to lay the table out nicely, invite people around, you make sure that they're comfortable, you make sure that their, their glass is always full, their plate has always got food on it and that they leave the night you having served them well and they and they feel comfortable and and have had a good night. Interestingly, there is this sense in the way that uh in a New Testament kind of understanding of hospitality that that it can equally mean that to be hospitable is to equally mean to be a good guest. Ah. That is um, to receive. To, to actually to receive somebody else's gracious offering in a gracious way, in an appropriate way. Mm. And that's not always something that people do no, really well. I was just about to
1: <laughs> say it's an art form. Yeah. I, I know personally to be the receiver of a gift or hospitality is awkward yeah, and challenging it's, it's and
0: vulnerable. It's and, vulnerable
1: yeah. And, yeah. and and you know, you, you go to other cultures and countries who are particularly hospitable mm. and try and be the recipient of it. And often yeah. it's yeah. it's awkward and it's guilt tinged yeah. and it for me in different places, be it Nepal or Philippines, you're kind of filled with this. Yeah. I shouldn't be receiving this. Yeah. You you have less than I do, I should be giving to you. But it's such a thing of yeah. honour yeah. for them to allow you to be, Mm. you know, to receive their hospitality.
0: Well, yeah. And how many many times, a really simple example, how many times do you round at someone's house and they say, uh, you know, do you want a cup of coffee or do you want a cup Mm. of tea? And you say, only if you're having one. Yeah. Yeah. Only if you're going to put, only if the kettle's already on or, or, you know, do you want a glass of red? Only if the bottle's already open. Like, you know, we sort of put these conditions on the hospitality that I'm willing to accept from you.
1: And so too with a gift. If someone gave me a gift fully out of the blue, mm. if, be it not my birthday or Christmas mm. or whatever, if they just gifted me one,
0: mm.
1: my initial reaction was you didn't have to do that. Yeah. And it would probably be, well, but I haven't got you one. Yeah. <laughs> There's yes. this almost inherent yep. uh, sense that for me to participate in this exchange, I'm supposed to be on equal terms, right. but yep. gift giving and hospitality transcends that transactional kind of understanding.
0: That's right. That's right. Uh Yeah, we can talk a bit more about about gift. There's actually a a, a European philosopher, Jacques Derrida, who's done a lot of work in uh, talking about gift because he identifies that, in fact, gift giving can be quite a minefield, Mm. as you've said. Like, it's not just simply, oh, thanks, I've got a gift. There's always this sense of, oh, gee, how am I supposed to respond? Mm -hmm. And actually, it's quite tough to give a gift. Um, In fact, Derrida would say, you've actually never truly given a gift. Uh. So I know that's disappointing given, you know, how many uh, Christmases and birthdays and so on you've been to. But see, because Derrida contends that uh, a gift is defined as giving of something without any expectation of recompense. Mm. Okay. So there's no payback. And he would say that there's actually, it's actually beyond human capacity to give a gift. Right. Because we're always caught up in this kind of social obligation Right, so imagine you come home and a neighbour has baked some cookies and left them on your left them on your doorstep. What your first response is going to be? Pick up the phone, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You're going to write a card. Uh, sure, I, as much as I can square the ledger in some way yeah, within that's myself. Right. That's yeah. right, because you want you don't want them to feel as though you've not um, respected or, totally. or you've not honoured that gift, and so you, you feel almost in a way they've given you a gift they've also give you, given you an obligation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, have, I now have to, I'm obliged yes. to acknowledge this, to write you a card or a thank you Absolutely. note or so on.
1: I find that within myself. If I give a gift to someone and attempt to make it anonymous
0: Yeah. and I
1: feel that there are no strings attached to this gift I've given, yep. but if they show no um, evidence that they've even received it, yes. I find myself, going, oh, I just kind of want to know how they yep. they like it. Yep. Is it good? Was it? All of a sudden I notice that I actually had strings attached to me, that I'm, I'm bound up in my gift in a way that I didn't think I That's was. Right. I assumed it was purely gratuitous, yeah. purely whatever you want, whether yeah. you like it or not, great. No, I was attached to that gift. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm fearful of all sorts of things, even as I give a gift. Yeah. It's, a, it's a curious thing. So you're suggesting that for those reasons – there's no such, it's almost impossible to offer the pure gift.
0: Well, me and, and Jacques Derrida, we're both suggesting <laughs> that. <Yeah. laughs> that's right. And so we're, we're both saying that in, in, that in this way, gift giving is reduced to a transaction. Mm. So there's actually an economy mm. of gift giving. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so he would say that uh, it's not possible for two people with knowledge of what they're doing yeah. to exchange a gift. So, so even
1: in the way we might bank, well, I'll make sure I return this at some yeah, point. Yeah, that's right. That's instantly right. I've entered into some kind of... That's right, that's
0: right, that. there's some sort of obligation now upon us, so yeah. but then he goes on to explore all of these kind of um uh, permutations of so you know for instance, what about if the person receiving? Doesn't know that they've received a gift. Could that be considered a true gift? So, for example, think about this. Um, and I know this happens to you a lot. Someone cuts you off in traffic while you're driving, and uh, and I've seen you behind the wheel. You're yeah. furious. Oh. You yell and you fume yeah. and you're screaming at them. And it's I mean it's no, just... one cuts me off in traffic <laughs> they <wouldn't laughs> if they, it. they couldn't catch you because <laughs> um, clearly they're an imbecile, right? And so you're furious at them, they, but they disappear off into the distance, never to be seen again. But within you, you're carrying this burning anger towards them, and so. But you decide, I I can't hold on to this. I need to move on. And so you decide to forgive them for their incompetency. Mm. They're completely unaware of this internal monologue going on for you, by the way. Um, But so you offer them this gift of forgiveness. Okay. Mm. So they're unaware that they've been offered this gift. Okay. How does that, does that sound like a pure gift?
1: Well, somewhat.
0: (laughs) Somewhat. It's, it's. It, it's better than uh, better than nothing. But, it's
1: better than nothing. It feels like it's more of a gift to myself, really, than well, it is to them.
0: This is this is exactly the point. See, the gift that you've actually offered is really only to yourself mm. because that anger, it was eating you up, but they had no idea about that's it. That's it. I needed to
1: give it. They didn't need it's to. It's
0: not making a lick of difference to Leadfoot, yeah. who's clearing off down the road. So yeah, yeah. that's really a gift to you. So that doesn't really count. So what about a scenario where the giver doesn't know that they've given someone a gift? So, for example, you're driving along the road and you see some hard rubbish by the side of the road and there is a child's bike perfect for your daughter. And so you chuck it in the back of the car and you give thanks to the universe. You know, you've received received this gift. So that sounds maybe a, a little bit better. You could think of that as receiving a gift from the universe, but it doesn't actually deal. This person hasn't knowingly given it. They've just discarded something. Okay, so it doesn't really count again. For Derrida, and he sort of goes through these permutations, the only possible way that a true gift can occur is for both the giver and the receiver to be completely unaware of the gift that's passed between them. Mm. So, which which, sounds quite silly, but in terms of the person of Jesus, the Christian tradition makes this claim about in this person was present the unknowable God. In this person... The unknowable was made known. And so there's this idea that uh, in, in the birth of Jesus and in the way that he lived his life and the way that he w- connected with the divine and revealed the sacred, that somehow there was both this revelation and concealment going on, that um, the, the, this gift was giving while while remaining, somehow remaining completely unknowable.
2: Mm,
1: mm. So in terms of, what does that mean for us in terms of how we can continue to receive Jesus? mm as gift.
0: As gift, yeah. Mm. Um well and I and I think the clue is, as as we we talked earlier about the presence of the Magi being the outsiders breaking in, that mm. um the 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 gift is the reminder to remain vulnerable, to remain open, to remain, to expose ourselves to the possibility of um uh of, of gifts from outside our world. Mm. You know, from the gift that um those outside the tribe those outside our known controlled mm. um um you know sanitized kind of world those who are like us mm. um, that they that they can offer us
1: and in terms of then how we'd see Jesus it kind of strikes me that if if there's this um concealing revealing going on if there's an unknowable that's known mm. but whenever i make a claim that yep i've got it locked in i know what it is i know what it means i know who he is the moment I've done that, I'm missing yeah. the mystery. Yeah. So in order for Jesus to remain a gift to me, I have to keep assuming whenever I make a creed, whenever I make a claim, whenever I think I've got it mm. or someone else doesn't, mm. I'm actually denying the gift. I'm actually yeah. gift wrapping something again yeah. and not actually letting it be. Yeah. You know. So it's also provocative in terms of where God, where where the divine might be, it, it therefore means it's always just beyond mm. my comfort zone. It's mm. always just beyond yeah. my horizon.
0: Yeah, there's one of my favourite books of all time is The Little Prince, and there's this mm. um, uh, there's this fan- fantastic moment where the little boy is is asking the traveller to draw him draw me a picture of a sheep. He says, mm-hmm. and so the traveller pulls out a pen and paper and draws a picture, and the and the little boy said, no, 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 that's not right. My sheep, you know, my sheep is is lying down, or it, it's 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 not the sheep I'm picturing. He said, oh, okay. So he tries again, and he said, no, that's not right either. You know, my sheep's woolly or or, or whatever it is. And so the traveller sort of scratches his head, and then the traveller draws a box and he puts air holes on it, and he says, your sheep is inside that box, mm-hmm. and the little boy said. That is perfect. <laughs> that is what. That is the sheep. the sheep. That's the sheep. And so, because he didn't try to define mm. or, or draw down, this is what your sheep looks like. The little boy was able to imagine his sheep mm. in that box and There's picture room it. Room
1: and permission. There's
0: room and permission. Sin. Exactly. Yeah. And so, this I I see this conversation. I see the Christmas story as being like the inversion of that. Mm. That the, in the Jesus story, the gift is outside of the box. Yeah. It's everything outside of the box. Everything oh, yeah. that you think it is, here is the tradition, here is the story, this is what you think you know about who God is and how God works. And where God is. And where God is and who, who has a claim on God. No, 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 the story is saying, that's great. It's everything but that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's everything, everything past that. It's, that the, yeah. it's the beyond, it's the outside, it's yeah. the incursion from over the horizon.
1: Hmm. What well, makes me think a lot then about... Um, the claims we make about Christmas, hmm. and we come as Christians. We we've created, a, you know, we follow a bloke who said no groups, hmm. you know, who was found a very tribal tradition and said no, 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 God's bigger than this. Hmm. I, for, in following me, I, l- let's create no groups, no, no boundaries. boundaries, no ins yep. and outs, and then of course we've become tribal. Hmm. And when we take the message of Jesus, we become. Uh, gift carriers, you know, we want to be the ones who tell everyone Mm. what we've got Mm. and what the answer is and where God is and what God looks like. And, and of course I, I I appreciate and understand that there's truth in this story. So, Mm. but it strikes me that the posture then is really, it it denies the capacity to receive gifts. Mm. If we've got it, if we have the package wrapped up, even just in our very posture, we're not able to receive the gift of the wise men. We're not Mm. able to receive hospitality from the West or gifts Mm. from the East Mm. because we've got it. Mm. You know, so for me to actually experience this thing you talk about, that's beyond, beyond all my categories, beyond all my language, uh, and even just receive something from another, the posture of being open to receive a gift is so different. Like for Mm. me to receive a gift from you, I have to create space. I have to make time. Mm. I have to uh I have to let go of some things. Hmm. In order to receive a gift, I've got to drop an agenda. You know, I have to let go of ego. All these things that have to happen, it's you've a
0: totally to, different energy. You've got to let me know you. Yes. so that I can see you yep. and try and determine what might be useful for you, what totally. what might be inspiring for you, what might be an act of love to offer you.
1: Exactly. So if I think about how might someone in a surprising place, a foreign land, how might they offer a gift to me Mm. as in how might they teach me something? How might I learn something? How might they show me something about the world or Mm. the truth or God? I can only do that if I take on a posture of wanting to receive a gift, Mm rather than having a gift for them. Mm. And that energy is just so different. Yep. It's, the, the, and that's why I like the word posture because it feels like if I could live like that with these open hands rather than mm. hands that are full and are wanting to, to hand over, yep. I, that strikes me as what this story is inviting. Mm. What might it look like as Jesus, I was right from the start in this story, to be willing to receive gifts mm. from all sorts of places mm to be open enough, humble enough, mm. vulnerable enough to know that out there is something that you could give me that would benefit me. Mm. Out there is something that would grow me that there's something out there that I need.
0: Mm. I don't have that which you need. Yeah.
1: you have that which I need.
0: And that's connected back to that hospitality idea that yeah. to, to be an, to be uh, an, uh, to be a good uh, guest mm. to, to, to allow someone to tend to my needs, to see my needs and to, and to offer me something and not, not just needs, but also, um, to, to challenge me, to, yes. to offer me opportunity for growth totally, and to reveal, you know, what I, I talked to before about, um, allowing yourself to be known, mm. to be seen. Sometimes people see in us things that we don't like yeah, about ourselves. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well,
1: I was thinking a lot about, um, one of the great challenges in the Christian narrative is this scary line that says, love your enemies. And, of course, it comes out of a time where they had legitimate enemies. Mm. They're being persecuted and killed. And mm. and and we kind of read, them, "Oh, what a lovely idea. That is a ripping bumper sticker, mm. you know. But to take that seriously is a full-on ideal, mm. almost perhaps a ridiculous ideal, mm. to love your enemies. But Henri Newen offered this fascinating take on that idea when he said, well, we need to love our enemies, not even so much, for our enemy's sake, but for our own. Hmm. Because our enemies or or our other, that which we would otherwise push away because they're different or Hmm. challenging or provoke something in us, they reveal something in us that we need to see. Hmm. So he says our enemy or our other is a gift Hmm. that we need. Hmm. So if I find someone that creates that prickle in me or that takes me to the very edge of my own capacity because Hmm. they frustrate the bejesus out of me, I need them. Yep. They help me see things in myself that I would otherwise not want to see. Well, that's it, see.
0: because friends don't raise the, those prickles that's in it. you. They don't. They don't push those buttons in the same way. Yeah. Because of course we surround ourselves with people who make us comfortable,
1: <laughs> or are people that are quite like us, or so right. people that love us as we are. Yeah. So, it's only the other that can shine a light on the bits in us mm. that we don't want to see, that mm. we would never otherwise see, mm. but that which we need to, if we're to move in the direction of a fuller life, a more loving and compassionate and generous and gracious, we can't possibly grow within our own comfort zone.
2: Mm. You mm. can't
1: stretch out growth. Growth actually comes from beyond us and kind mm. of stretches us out.
2: Mm. And mm. and
1: other and enemy and different and diverse they're the only ways we can receive that gift
0: yeah i like that idea because i mean trees grow towards the sun mm. don't they? if you if you have a, a plant in a pot inside your house yes. it'll lean towards the window and sometimes you need to rotate it so it leans yes. back the yeah, other yeah, way yeah. right so that's this idea that something beyond ourselves yeah. can can inspire us to stretch and to grow yes. not not just uh, some sort of internal impetus that, that's going to push it. us out
1: And true to that analogy, if we close ourselves off from the sun, well, we shrivel up, Mm. we shrink, Mm. and and we do die. Mm. And we see that in all its forms, that whenever we deny the gift Mm. of being stretched out, the obvious orientation is we become more narrow-minded, more fearful of that which is beyond. Mm. Spiritual death, Mm. you know, we actually close inward. We lose love. Mm. We lose curiosity. We lose humility. All these things which are life-giving, Once Mm. we lose that source, once we lose the the understanding that there is a gift beyond my comfort zone, Mm. beyond my theology, beyond Mm. my tradition, beyond my comfort and worldview, once we lose that, the only place we can go Mm. is protecting our own kingdom, which is spiritual death. Mm. It's isolation. It's not connected. It's not. Yeah.
0: So maybe symbolically, uh, we should invite all of our Beyondering listeners to put an empty box under the tree this year. As a reminder that Christmas is the story that tells us it's everything but, it's everything outside of.
1: It's, I like that. I like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm so... Well, I'm, that's what I was planning to get you, actually. It's, Matt, it's, an empty box. It's symbolic, Matt. It's symbolic. Think about it. Really hold it.
1: I, um, I love the invitation of Christmas when we do get so many presents, when we do often surround ourselves by our loved ones, why it's it's a very mm. uplifting wonderful for, for many mm. it's a time that's very joy filled mm. but mm. man it's such a challenge to invert that mm. and to actually be an open box, mm. one where you don't receive by getting but actually in knowing beyond your comfort zone off you know in great challenge mm. and confronting the very edges of your person. Mm is actually a whole nother world that's mm. waiting to be unwrapped. Mm. I I, uh, I want to offer the, um, I stumbled over this kind of native prayer of approach that for me is kind of captures the, the posture we're talking about where um, if only I could be open and curious enough to know that even someone uh, beyond my tradition, tribe or understanding or belief actually offers me a
2: gift. Mm.
1: And I... I actually experienced this a few years ago when at our church we had a an, an interfaith panel. Mm. We had we had Bahai, and I had, there was two traditions I'd never even heard of. Mm. It was incredible, but there was someone whose belief had a reincarnation idea,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's not something I believe. It's not something I hold. Mm. But the way they articulated when they offered their story, when they explained it. It was such a gift to me. Mm. I'd never understood it from inside out from mm. their point of view. And I remember just thinking, I really get it. I get how in that worldview that would be offer so much solace to almost be able to relax into the fact that life is almost this stream that just keeps running and you're a little part of that stream. And if you stay wanting to flow in the right direction, life will run through you and will take you on in other lives and... If you go backwards, you'll you'll kind of be, you know, sent back down the stream. But if you you've always got the opportunity to open mm. yourself up again and I I'd just never done it. I'd never
2: mm.
1: been taken inside the story to allow myself to feel what it would be like for them. Mm. And it was only because I had this posture of curiosity and openness and that they were vulnerable enough to tell me. Mm. But it's a gift because I get it. I've moved towards them. I have a greater affection for this person, but I also now have less fear for others who hold that belief. Mm. I may have previously been triggered when I'm like, Oh geez, that's a bit weird or wacky. Mm. How's that work? And well, now I don't, that's been melted in me Mm. because, and and that's been a gift to me. Mm. So learning to appreciate that, which is very different Mm. is other to me, opens me up, helps me walk towards. And is a gift, I now carry when I engage with others who are also very different Mm. So, I offer a closing native prayer of approach, and this is centuries old and I love picturing this as a a nomadic group or even a warring tribal group meet another tribe, mm. but they would say this to themselves before meeting to um to have like a um uh, they'd meet and have a conversation mm. in, in threat of war to mm. try and negotiate
0: mm, so, yeah.
1: exactly, yeah. so before they didn't well, let's try and nut this out. Mm. This is what they'd say to themselves as they went to meet this other this enemy, this per this tribe beyond their tribe, mm. they'd say this, "I will honor your gods, I will drink from your well, I will bring an undefended heart to our meeting place." I hold no cherished outcomes. I will not negotiate by withholding. I am not subject to disappointment. So may this Christmas we receive the gift of knowing that there are gifts, always gifts beyond us, that will unwrap us and open us into the people that we are called to be.
0: Stay tuned for two more weeks of Advent exploration as we uh, continue these uh, conversational series.
1: And of course, sign up for our mailing list at beyondering.com.au where it's not too late to purchase Beyondering Christmas cards. A featured artist for this second episode of our Advent series is a new voice to the podcast. Her name is Carrie Newcomer. She's a fabulously reflective artist whose work you can access through her website, which is Carrienewcomer.com and also heaps of her stuff through YouTube. And the song that we're going to offer you to conclude our episode is this beautiful blessing called "May We Be Released. It's a blessing we've chosen because it resonates with so much of what we've unpacked and explored in this episode. It speaks of those, those surprising places in which we can receive gifts but also the the challenging invitation to to hear and to hold those gifts. So we offer it to you and hope it's a helpful Advent meditation for you as you consider in this season of anticipation, in this season of coming, what it is that you are being asked to make room for and to receive. And may you keep going beyond
3: place you live and bless the spot you fell and let go of hidden stories too dangerous to tell let there be no stones to throw and someone to watch your back and some prayers we never answered for the things we think we lack may we be Didn't want to hear May we be released May we May you leave and walk away Kick the dust Shout unfair, may we finally stop and think of the blame that we both share when you stand and give force winds and hope a passing thought. When the truth catches your eye, may you have the grace to stop. May we be released, may we be held. That we didn't want to hear May we be We. May the unseen world be present Invoked into your life May you have the strength to question All the things you thought were right And may you sense the light around The very old and very young May you go ahead and quit What you should never have begun May we be That we didn't want to hear May we be